You've been through pre-Cana, maybe you've even said I do. And now what? Welcome to After Cana, a podcast for young couples looking to make it until death do they part. In each episode, we'll share sage wisdom and practical advice from couples who've been married 20 plus years. On today's episode, we are talking to Doug and Shirley Hinder from Bristol, Illinois, correct? Correct. Awesome. Um, hi guys, how are you going? How are you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Good, good. I'm super excited to talk to you. Um, super excited to get all your knowledge and wisdom. Um, but let's start. Why don't you tell us, you know, your story? How did you meet? How did you start dating, engaged, married, all that fun stuff? I, you know what? We'll, we'll let Shirley go first because we tell the story very differently. Well, I don't know that we have enough time to tell it. Give <laughs> well, the abridged edition. The abridged edition. Um, we were in college. It was my last year down there because I was going to do an internship. Um, an older boy was in one of my classes and he was just taking classes to um, meet girls. And I started to date him kind of, but he was, he lived in the apartment next door to Doug. And so that's basically how I met him was through this other man. So the plan was, so he came over and said he had a date with this really good looking blonde. And, and I figured this guy wouldn't, uh, any reasonable girl wouldn't date him more than once or twice, but I, I didn't have a date. So I thought, I, I helped him plan out his date for that night. And I picked the worst restaurant I could think of and a really stupid movie. And, and I said, you got to bring her back to your apartment, you know, and put on some music and get to know her better. Uh, knowing that I would be home because I had nothing going on. And I was going to go over and meet her. And then I figured I'd steal her. And uh, <laughs> ultimately, that is kind of how it worked. It, did, it took a few months for that plan to actually be executed. But I went over, I met her. I'm, she is pretty cute. And then took a few months, but we finally did uh, start dating. And then... So but this, he didn't like me. Well, the first date <laughs> didn't go real well, but the second date mm -hmm. went well. And then we literally, I asked her to marry me after a week. Wow. Um, which is, I wouldn't advise anyone else to do that. But, but <laughs> the odds the odds of getting engaged after a week and have it work out are pretty slim. But anyway, we waited six months to buy the rings. Because we didn't really want to freak out our families. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. yeah. So that was <laughs> That was so we waited six months, we got married nine months later, and um, we've been living happily ever after since. Well, I don't know. more or less, <laughs> more, more than less, less. Yeah, wow. So, how did you go from not really being into each other at the beginning to a week? Like, what was the changing point? Like, what happened? Well, so, I mean, I was leaving to do an internship. He, he asked me out on a date the Friday before finals started. So classes were oh. over. It was, I mean, literally a, a, a week later, I was moving home. My parents were coming to take my stuff and we were going home and, and I was not coming back. I was, you know, staying in Chicago where I grew up. And um, so he asked me out on that Friday, didn't like me, brought me home at 9.30 in the evening. Oh, he asked me <laughs> it was what 10. Was, he, it wasn't. He asked me what I was planning to do with my life moving forward. I basically told him, you know, job, career, all those great things. And yeah, and I, you know, which was great. I just always wanted a big family and I had this whole vision of what, you know, a ton of kids would be like. And so I'm like, oh, well, that's great. So I'm just going to let her go her way and do her thing. And uh, it was Friday night and Saturday. I'll give a shout out to one of my college roommates, Lou. And um, he made a really nice dinner. And I, I said, Lou, it's a shame to waste this great meal on two of us. And he was <laughs> and 
Patty at the time. I said, why don't you call Patty? See if you can come over and have dinner with us. And, you know, good idea. He came back a few minutes later. He's like, I called Patty. She can't make it. But I called Shirley and she can make it. I'm like, oh, no, 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 Lou. You don't understand. <laughs> I have no interest in Shirley. And, and um, he said, well, too late. You got to go pick her up. I'm like, oh, man. So I called Shirley. I said, are you, are you coming for dinner? She's like, yeah. I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll bring you home right afterward because it's finals. She said, no, I'll bring my books and we'll study. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, so we ate dinner and we're studying. And it's, um, you know, we're studying for a couple hours. And uh, the apartment I had that year was in the middle of a bunch of married student housing. And so there was a lot of little kids in the neighborhood. And I knew all of them. And there was a knock at the door and it was little Crystal, little blonde haired Crystal. And she had a flat tire on her bicycle. I wonder if I could pump up her bicycle tire. So I did. I went down, pumped up her tire. Now I'm hanging out in the parking lot with Crystal for like 15, 20 minutes. I'm not coming back upstairs. So finally, Shirley comes downstairs. And we start talking about kids. We go out for a walk. The sun is setting. It's a little more romantic. She said she liked to have kids. She loves kids. And then it just kind of went He liked there. me better. I did. She liked kids. <laughs> She better. I did. Wow, that's awesome. I feel like, Shirley, to your point, that is something that I actually had to learn. Like, as a millennial, I didn't realize it, but I kind of thought up until a certain point that, like, career and, like, everything, like, that was the most important thing to me. And the thought of, like, staying home was, like... <gasps> why would I waste my life on that? You know? And even though like growing up in a Catholic household and like growing up with my, like my mom stayed home, there was like, I definitely had to do some work of like detaching myself from the idea of like just being a homemaker. Well, and I think for me, I mean, I wasn't dating anyone. There was no one on the horizon. If someone mm -hmm. asks what you're going to do and you're getting this college degree, I mean, right. of course you're going to, you're going to talk about, your career and what you hope to achieve that way. I mean, mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was looking at a diamond ring on my finger thinking right. this is what I'm going to do. So in my mind, that was, those were the perfect answers at yeah. the time. And I think, I just think that it's one of the terrible fallacies, lies that our society places on women these mm. days. Somehow motherhood is of less value than some profession. And just the opposite is true. I, there is no greater, role no greater job in, in the entire world than that of raising children and, and giving them back to god someday so I, that's just how i see it i don't mean to preach <laughs> i guess i do <laughs> no 100 percent. like that is i think there's this like renaissance now that we can kind of see of like women like really owning this and i think it's something that i've found definitely like during my engagement is like this like this realization that that's actually like not that it's my entirety but it's a fullness of being a woman and like the fullness of like my vocation at this time is like really leaning into yeah. this like maternity uh, a, thing. a lot of women these days uh you know they're they're working their careers and then they have that first child and all of a sudden this light goes off they're kind of like wow i really enjoy this i really right. enjoy being a mom i really and i'd like to do this full time at least for a while and then maybe go back to my career later and, and um, a lot of times that's the that's the moment that the light bulb goes off is when that first child shows up and then the woman's like man motherhood is really a pretty cool thing oh 100 and not that i have kids but <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Soon. very soon god willing you know and i think 
but even it's like this wonderful balance of like you know having this being like the main vocation at the time for a woman and then um but also understanding that like that is not the entirety like I definitely remember like telling my fiance on one of our dates I was like don't expect me to stay home like how dare you like I am not that sort of woman like I have a degree I have a career I have talents and he was like okay like that's that's fine like not gonna not gonna force you to stay home but sorry go ahead no go ahead I was just gonna say but like now I appreciate like his attitude was I would like to work to give you that option and to not make it like you have to like our life depends on like both our salaries but I was definitely you know on my little semi-feminist soap box being like don't tell me what to do and he was like no but the option is there for you and that's his goal and I love that I love that if the husband can make enough money so that the wife has the option Mm -hmm. to go back to work or to stay home for a while that's the ideal situation 100% I know you're going to say something Shirley but no, I was going to say, you know, I mean, sometimes it's tough when, you know, because as a as a wife, as a mother, there's no bonus at the end of the year. There's no right. pat on the back. Instead, you've got, you know, the children get older and they look at what, you know, you've slaved all day in the kitchen to make dinner and they say, are you trying to kill us? What is this? You know, I mean, <laughs> I mean really? And so sometimes... I think that that's a difficult piece. Mm. Like you said, you have a college degree and suddenly it's kind of like, I have a college degree and how many diapers am I changing? a day? It's a pretty thankless profession to be sure, which I think puts uh, even more responsibility on the husband to make sure that he nurtures his wife well and praises her often and gets her out of the house on date nights and things like that, because it's not a, it's not a glamorous job to be sure. No, I'm sure. And I think that's where like really focusing on your marriage, like the strength of the marriage comes in. Um, And I think I've seen, I've talked to actually a lot of the couples that we've talked to on this podcast, um, they're in the empty nester phase and a lot of their friends are in the empty nester phase. And um, one of the couples I talked to was like, yeah, our friends just got a divorce because like the kids left and they couldn't they realized they didn't like each other. And I've seen several marriages just kind of, you know, either when, you know, the woman ha- like it can't have any more kids, like whether medical reasons or just like life or when the kids are grown up and it's like, oh my goodness. Like I, we don't like each other. We don't know each other. Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the sad truth is the divorce rate ticks up in the early sixties. And for that exact reason, empty nesters and, and, um, and what happens is couples, they, they don't focus in on themselves right. uh, during, you know, when they're raising kids because they're too busy raising kids, paying the bills, one on, and they and they just grow apart, and then all of a sudden they're alone and they don't know each other, and and they move on, and it's a really sad thing. But we're at that age now where we we see that happen. Yeah. Right, because you guys had nine kids, correct? Nine, yeah. nine yeah. kids, and now they're all grown up. They're all getting married. They're all having kids now. So yeah, the last one will leave for college in. August. It's two months and yeah. then we'll be empty nesters. So we'll, you know, check back with us in a year. <laughs> see, if, see if you guys are still going strong. <laughs> well, Maybe moving out. We're not sure. <laughs> but I, I wonder if we can kind of talk about that a little bit of like, like what, what habits maybe you had or, you know, maybe looking back at like, you know, didn't like each other when you first met each other, but like 
and thinking where you are now, like, how do you think you've, you've changed over the time? And like, how do you think you've kind of not morphed into best friends, but like, how do you think you've really cultivated, that's a better way of saying it. Have you cultivated your friendship throughout the years? Right. And I think, you know what, I, in full disclosure, right. So I'm in this second career now that I've launched about five, six years ago as a marriage counselor. So this is what I do now professionally is work with couples and and part of what I talk about is there's four different loves. Aristotle talked about four different loves. Um, there's friendship, and then there's the love of kindness, and then there's the eros, the physical love, and then there's agape, the sacrificial love. And couples, a lot of times, forget about the first one, the philia, the friendship love, right? And they stop spending time together, um, and they don't, um, you know, they don't treat each other well. And so I think we did a pretty good job throughout the years of trying to carve out time. We weren't the best at the date night thing, mm-hmm. but we did pay attention to each other during the day, you know, and we did carve out some time each day, I think, to kind of connect and talk and, and be there to support each other. So would you agree? I think for me, I think I had to learn to even let go. You know, I was pretty, mm-hmm. I think pretty organized and pretty <laughs> detail focused. And, you know, we did this, we talked about the delegation of, of big tasks and it was my responsibility to pay the bills each month. And, things like that. And in the beginning, you know, I asked him for receipts for everything that he had spent. I mean, I wanted to, and, and that did not necessarily go well. And so I think I really <laughs> needed to let go sometimes even of, um, of some things that I just expected to happen or expectations. Mm. Um, when we first got married in my mind, you know, we talked about the big things, who was going to do the laundry, who was going to pay the bills, who was right. going to do this, who was going to, but in my mind, a man took the garbage out. And I'm okay with it. <laughs> and so what happened was I'd ask him to take the garbage out and I'd yeah. ask him to take the garbage out. And he would um, he would say, Yeah, 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 I will. And then he didn't. And so then but I the can wasn't full. But <laughs> then I put the garbage in front of his car door. So he would take the, before he got into the car, he had to take the garbage out and he just moved it and then got into the car and drove away. And what I realized is it, that wasn't something that was on his radar or important to him. Right. And so even to let go of, you know, your, your classic job descriptions, maybe, you know, right. and, or that division of labor, it's, like okay, I mow the lawn. It's okay. It doesn't have to be a man thing. And- so it's 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 you know it's really interesting because we didn't talk about this before we sat down here. Um, but I I wrote down like the exact same thing, right? It's how have I changed oh. the I've become more detached from my own way of doing things too, right? Uh, and I've learned to just I've mellowed. I've learned to just kind of uh, just let it go. Most most of the stuff you fight about really isn't that important. And. So I think a lot of the things that we argued and fussed about, you know, in the first 10 years of our marriage, those things don't bother us anymore. We just let it go. And, and uh, early on, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe 10 years or so, but I was talking to a priest once and complaining about how difficult marriage was. And my wife, how unreasonable she was. Uh, and he said, Doug, man, this is pretty simple. If it's not a sin, give in. Wow. If it's not a sin, give, let just, you, you can't compromise a marriage of sin. But other than that, if she wants to paint the house purple and red yeah great you know and i you know i haven't been perfect at that but i've worked harder to become more uh detached and and uh, and i think that's a big reason why we've gotten along is we just don't sweat the small stuff anymore 
hundred percent. Oh my gosh. I feel like you guys are actually hitting on something. I feel like I've learned this week with Dave, like <laughs> surely what you were saying about um, taking the garbage out. It is too funny. Cause it's one of the things that Dave just like hates. And yeah. I had this thing where I was like, but you're the man, like, isn't that what you do? But what he loves is he loves to clean. He loves to like get down on his hands and knees and just like bleach the bathroom. Wow. And I'm like, God bless. Because yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah, that's a good trade to make. I'll take the garbage out right? and clean the bathrooms because, you know, the guy is the one who makes the bigger mess anyway. Right. Or even the kitchen. Like he keeps it. I mean, he comes from a medical family. So everything is like ah, Sarah. <laughs> so like letting go of your expectations or even what you think like even what you think who even who you think you should be in this marriage yeah. is like you don't know what god has planned for you and really letting him in to be like no this is who you're supposed to be and like this is how you die to yourself like that just really resonated with me um and like that that really is how like our vocation calls us to be saints is yeah. like you just you die to yourself every day and even like doug what you said like if it's not a sin give in like it's fine like i feel like we we met with the dj this week and i didn't realize music could be so divisive <laughs> <laughs> but like it's one of those things where we had to like take a step back and being like why are we fighting about this and we really had to like talk about like what we were feeling underneath it all and then be like it's okay if you know yeah. They want to play footloose at the wedding. Like, <laughs> it's okay <laughs> if I think that's a horrible song, but like, no, no, no. You know, yeah, because yeah. I love you. That's great. That's something that we can do. Um, I like and I wonder, you. like, is that like, like letting go of like the little things and kind of letting go of your expectations? Like, how did that like take a concrete form of like prioritizing each other? Kind of like what you were talking about. Um, I guess we can kind of morph that into like, you know, what surprised you the most about marriage in terms of like, once you let go, like what surprises? I think what you... surprised me most of, about marriage is how hard it was to put others, to how hard it was to put others first, you know, yeah. because in the beginning it feels like, you know, you love someone so much that you just want, you want to put their needs and their wants and all those things before you. But when you have to die to self, every single day that's exhausting i mean and that's hard work and you know and even in the little things like i really like silence i mean maybe it's because i've had a lot, we've had a lot of kids and there's been a lot of noise here i like silence mm. each time he comes into the room like into the kitchen and sits down to have lunch or something like that the first thing he does is he turns on the radio it's either he's going to listen to news he's going to listen to to music I mean, but always he, and it's like so much for silence. You know, I like to read at night in bed. Mm -hmm. um, he doesn't like the light on. And so it's like, oh, he's got to put something over his eyes because the light is on. But it's like to die to yourself every day, so hard. And I think that's what surprised me because I thought it would be so easy. Yeah. I choose to remain silent on this question. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny because I, I put down hard work too. I mean, it's hard adjusting to living with another human being, you know? And what, what I find, 
a lot of the couples I work with, the ones who get married later in life, you know, in their 40s or 50s, have a much harder time adjusting because they've been living alone, doing their own thing for 20, 30, 40 years, you know. And now all of a sudden, I got to adjust to another human being. And that's difficult. And uh, so I think, yeah, I think that's the deal. And, and uh, it's just hard work. But you got to realize. And I think one of the adjustments was, and I think this is maybe still an issue, but I, we kind of grew up in, you know, the whole... Um, uh, live happily ever after kind of world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, all the, all the fairy tale, <laughs> right? And you get married and all the hard work is before you get married. After that, you just run off in the sunset and you don't have your children. And, you know, the, the, the opposite is really what's true. And so realizing that, no, it is hard work. And uh, you got to really work at being a good husband. It doesn't come easy. And sometimes it's, you know, you get temperamental. And stuff. So I, I would agree. It's hard work. That, that was a little bit of a surprise that it was going to take a lot of effort. Yeah, no, I feel the exact same way. Like it's, I feel like every once in a while when I'm like praying about it, like this fear will be like, like, but what happens? Like, it's funny. Like I have five brothers, but I've never lived alone with a boy. Like, we, you know, and it's this fear of like, I think there comes a phase like the honeymoon phase is real in a relationship like when you're dating and you're like oh my gosh this person is so great and like they complete me and there's this like beautiful when you when you realize that like you're in love and when you get engaged and it's like but I think in the last like couple like in the last month definitely for me like I told Dave once I my fiance I told turned to him and I was like I don't think I've ever said I'm sorry more in my entire life than in nice like, last month <laughs> like, yeah. you know and there are times where you're just sitting there and you're like, how the heck is this going to work? Like, I thought this would be easier. I thought it would all fall into place. Um, yeah, but... I, yeah, I agree. And I think being able to say, I'm sorry, is a really important part of sustainability. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't know that there's any place else in the world where a person gets more opportunities to practice forgiveness than in a marriage. You're going to get to practice forgiveness a lot because you're married to an imperfect person. You know, who, and a person who has a different personality and different temperament and different interests and likes. And th there's going to be conflicts. So yeah. that's a normal part of life is conflicts and being able to manage those and to be able to say, gee, I'm sorry, I, I didn't really mean to hurt you is a really important thing. And then be able to say, OK, I forgive you. Let's move on with our day. So Shirley is really good at forgiving very quickly. I tend to hold on to stuff longer. And then I will have a fight about something. And 10 minutes later, she's like, hey, so what do you want to have for dinner? I'm like, what? I don't even want to eat with you for a week. What do you <laughs> And I, it takes me a while to calm down. And she bounces back really quickly, which is a wonderful quality. And I, I wish I could do better at that. But uh, being able to forgive and move on is really important. Yeah. It's, it's, and there's really no like safer place to do it than in your marriage. And I think that's such a great gift. Like I've been thinking, oh, I know it's getting ahead of myself, but even for like kids, like there's no, like there's no better place to learn those things like forgiveness Correct. than within the family and to like start that as like well, the basis. Yeah, it's important to realize. I mean, forgiveness isn't an option. I mean, Christ didn't say, hey, forgive the ones you feel like or forgive the ones who apologize. I mean, he, he was pretty clear. And every time we say the Our Father, what we mm -hmm. basically say, well, forgive us as we forgive others. We'll flip that upside down. If I don't forgive others, don't forgive me, Lord, right? And right. so we can't get into heaven if we don't practice forgiveness, which is why I think God created marriage to begin with, because that's the place where <laughs> we're going to practice a lot of forgiveness. 100%. I forgive you, dear. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs>
hundred percent. Um, and kind of building off of that, like you guys are talking about, like, you know, forgiveness and like learning to live with another person, which is difficult. Like marriage is hard. Um, I wonder if we could, you know, ask you guys, like, what is there a biggest fight that you guys have gotten into or was there something that you guys have like continuously butted heads on um, or anything where you're like, this is really, really hard and it started arguments. Um, you say biggest fight. I don't know that we've had a biggest fight. We've had big disagreements and usually they happen when we let our anger overflow, you know, mm. and then I had this tendency to pursue, you know, it's like, I'd follow him like a, mm. like a little dog, you know, like, Oh, don't be mad at me. Don't be mad at me. And he just, he didn't want to talk about it. He just wanted to kind of stonewall and it's like, leave the room. And, and I think it they usually would happen if one of us felt neglected or unseen or maybe even uncared for. And I think the times that for me personally, the times when I've been the most unhappiest is when I've realized that I've been also the most self-focused, you know, I'm basking in my own pity party, you mm -hmm. know, and, and the worst is I threw the party for myself, you know, <laughs> I mean, or, or maybe even you're overwhelmed with life, but you're too proud to ask for help. And, and I think I can fall into that often, you know, it's like, oh, there's all these things going on, but I'm going to handle it because I'm tough and I'm, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a woman, watch me roar or whatever. But, mm. but when I've been self-focused, typically the times when I've been the most unhappiest or we've had the biggest disagreements. Makes sense. Uh, was, I was curious as to how you're going to answer that. Um, yeah, I, we've never had like big fights where there's yelling and screaming and door slamming and frying pans flying through the air and stuff like that. <laughs> we've never rare have we ever raised our voice to each other it just hasn't happened but i do remember the time i was the absolute angriest um and it was in our first year of marriage and we had this kind of small two-bedroom apartment you may not remember this uh we were back in the bedroom we got in a fight about something and Shirley said that's it i'm out of here and she walked into the living room i heard the door open and close and I was livid that she would walk out. And I went running out to open that door. And then she stepped out of the closet. She had stepped into the coat closet as you know, the kind of, and I'm like, and then I lost it because you don't get to walk out. It's just never not. And she wasn't going to do it. She was just playing. Man, that really struck a chord. And I was pretty angry at that time. Whoa. But I, we've had, yeah, I, we've had very few really big fights. And, I mean, don't get us wrong. I mean, obviously we, we fight, we have disagreements. Right. Why would you say that? Not true. <laughs> I think disagreements is such a, a better word for it because yeah. I, it, it's funny. Like, I feel like even like my fiance and I, we've been posed that question where they're like, what's the biggest fight or like the biggest thing you've disagreed about. And I think, I don't think I've ever yelled at him but I think it's like it's very interesting what you said Charlie like the unhappiest you've been is when you're self-focused and gosh this is taking me back this week this is like <laughs> you know we were disagreeing about music and what we both kind of realized was we were both concerned about our own thing and like we both had our own concerns and we were not voicing them to each other. And it did kind of turn into this thing of like, you don't love me. <laughs> it's like, 
yeah. you know and it's like no like how do we turn towards each other like how do we not let these like disagreements pull us apart um but I, I, I think i mean to shirley's point i mean i think selfishness is one of the biggest enemies there is to happiness 100 percent. It, it seems contrary it's like no if i get what i want i'll be happy and no that's not how so happiness comes from giving not from taking 100 percent. and like in a marriage like you are doing that constantly whether it is to each other whether it is two kids whether it is to others like you are like our lord always asks us to give and like yeah. nothing for ourselves and so when like when you have these like disagreements and it's like it usually it usually mends itself when you're just kind of like mm-hmm. i'm sorry i did this like i love you <laughs> and, like taking accountability for your actions. I will, like, I'm so grateful that Dave is such a great person and that he always takes accountability for like what he does. And that's taught me, that's taught me to disagree. Cause I grew up in a house where the yelling and things were very present. So funny story, when we first started dating, I like said something and I was like, you have to fight me, Dave. And, he was like, <laughs> and I was like, when you don't like something, fight me (laughs) he was like but I don't want to fight you like why would that and I was like well how am I going to know that you're actually you know voicing your opinions and your wants and your needs if you're not yelling at me and learning how to disagree well is such a skill yeah and I think yeah right and and especially for those couples that are listening to this who are you know engaged or whatever um the first year is tough because you're blending the two homes you grew up in and you mm-hmm. learn, you were taught in those two homes how to handle conflict. And you probably were taught how to do it differently. And you're going to show up handling conflict by raising your voice. And he's going to show up handling conflict by just shutting down and not saying anything. And that's going to, so being able to handle conflict is a real, and figuring out how that happens. Cause you're bringing all of this stuff with you from childhood. Um, and now you got to figure out a different way to do it with a different human being. Who's going to handle conflict differently. hundred percent. Yeah. And that's, that is one of the disadvantages. Well, not that like we don't live together. We have not lived together. Right answer. <laughs> but yeah. there's, I understand, like I told Dave, I was like, I understand why people do it because it does make sense where it's like, well, oh, that's we the, have to see if we can live together, if we're compatible, but that's, it's the, that's this, the logic, but it, it's, it's faulty logic. It really doesn't. Hundred percent. No, in fact, the divorce rate is higher for couples who live together before they get married than for those who don't. So, I always say that I think you know we married young, right out of college, and um, I always think, you know, I mean, we never lived with with each other before we were married. We didn't, you know, I mean, we didn't even live in the same city. If we saw each other on a weekend, he either came up and stayed at my folks' home where I was living, or I went down to Kankakee, which is where his mom and dad, and we would meet there. I mean, we didn't live in the same city. He would laugh and say he didn't know what I looked like on a Monday morning because we just, I mean, we had this long-distance relationship, and there was no cell phones. We called each other once a week. We wrote a lot of letters. Oh, that's right. We wrote a lot of letters. I mean, and it was was cute. I still have them all. Um, But I think we grew up together in a lot of ways and we learned a lot from each other in the process and we were pretty flexible the um and that's interesting right i mean because the society says better off waiting until you're in your 30s to get married and live your life in your 20s and establish your career the 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 opposite is actually true couples who get married younger actually do much better because of that exact reason i mean you know, we never lived alone either. I, you know, we so we blended our money right from the start because 
I started my first job literally six weeks before we got married. We had no wow. money. So it wasn't like, okay, we're going to have separate accounts or join. I mean, it's like, so getting married young is really not a bad idea if you're well formed. I mean, if you're right. well prepared, right? Um, uh, so you can kind of learn how to navigate life together. It's not a bad thing. Wow. Um, and from that, I wonder if you guys could offer any advice to engaged couples, newly married couples? So I think I would, I, I want to start. Um, <laughs> I think my advice to engaged couples maybe is especially for the woman. Um, you know, you want to make sure that the man you're dating and or engaged to, you know, you're contemplating marriage to is both strong enough to take charge, to lead, to direct, to protect you and also humble enough to be gently directed, to be influenced, you know, mm. to give advice and some correction. I think my advice to either, you know, the man or the woman who's engaged is to ask yourself honestly, if you can live a lifetime enduring this other person's flaws and faults, their quirks, hmm. you know, um, and don't go into this relationship or into this marriage thinking that you're going to change them or correct them or improve them that won't happen. So that would be my advice to my advice to engaged people. Um, Can I give my advice to engaged couples now? Sure. Cool. So this is where I'll put on my marriage therapist hat. All right? Go for it. So three, three things I would say. First is marry someone whose defects you can live with, which is surely yeah, kind that. of mentioned it. Because yeah, <laughs> uh, you're marrying an imperfect person. A lot of times we don't know that we're engaged, right? Because the infatuation and and Aquinas said there are you know, two passions, two emotions that can cause insanity, love and hate. Because both are so intense that it can blind you to the truth. Right. Right? You're so infatuated by this person, you don't see the defects. But to a large degree, success in marriage is based on marrying someone whose defects you can live with. And some you can and some you can't live with, mm -hmm. right? I mean, mm -hmm. Alcohol abuse, drug abuse, uh, physical abuse, man, those are defects you, you, that are really, really hard to live with. You know, someone who, you know, is kind of messy or slobby or whatever, well, maybe you can live with those defects. So mm -hmm. marry someone whose defects you can live with. Number two, Find a good marriage prep class before, but even before you get engaged to help you discern if this is a good idea. Now, I've got one on my website that I think is really good, but there are a lot of other good marriage prep classes. But get a class that actually teaches you how to do marriage, you know, how to actually do, how to manage conflict, how to grow love, et cetera. And then number three, protect your chastity. OK, uh, and it gets harder. The more you're in love, the harder it is to to. Uh, you know, do well in that regard. But when you get to the wedding night, you can look at your spouse and say, this gift I'm about to give you, I have saved it for you and I've not mm -hmm. given it to anyone else. That will give you happiness through the, the rest of your marriage. And it, it's hard to do, but protect your chastity. Those are my three. So I think my advice to newlyweds, um, I would say, first of all, uh, slow down. Uh, don't move too fast. Life is going to pick up speed and momentum quick enough, you know, this obsession to move forward quickly, you know, get the house, have mm -hmm. babies, build the career. It can really get in the way of growing your relationship. Basically let God in and just relax. Um, and then years from now, you know, when we were first married, we had no kitchen table. We, we had gotten a folding table as a, and card chairs, for a wedding gift, but it hadn't been delivered yet. We ate on a cardboard box. Those were really sweet memories yeah, down the road. And so, you know what, but just relax, 
let God be God and realize that you're not him. You don't have to take control of everything. I think the other thing that I would say is besides, you know, remember that that human being you're married to is flawed, but also to stop the mental grumbling as soon as it begins. You know, mm -hmm. so many times we'll poison our thoughts and these thoughts seep into our actions, into our conversations, you know, um, I think my mother-in-law gave me some really good advice when we were first getting married. And she said, if you want to complain about Doug, her son, <laughs> complain to me because I will always love him. If you start complaining to your girlfriends or your sisters or your parents, they're not going to love him the same way. I will always love him. If you need to complain to someone, complain to me. I think I'd take it a little bit further and say, you know, complain to God. You know, if you, if you don't have an in-law that you can, you feel comfortable that you can complain to, uh, you know, complain to God and, and just, and listen, you know, listen to what, he, what he has to say. I will say my mom is pretty close to God. So if we're you're pretty, <laughs> pretty, you're pretty close, pretty close. You know, and I'd say the other thing is give your spouse the benefit of the doubt. Um, believe that their intentions are good and are pure, you know, um, because that will really build up a relationship rather than tear it down. Yeah. I think that was, that's great. And I think that you jogged my memory there on the eating on the cardboard box thing. And I, one of the fights we got into our first year of marriage, when we first, and we, we were disagreement, disagreement, <laughs> we were, you know, we were dead broke. We got married. And so we stayed, we both got jobs, we trying to make some money. And one of the first things Shirley wanted to do was to buy a kitchen table. And I wanted to buy a new stereo. I mean, like, please, we got this card table right now. That's sufficient, <laughs> but a stereo. Now that's, so that was a big fight. Uh, we still have that table to this day that we bought our first year of marriage. So, all right. So my three things. Uh, first is get help early, right? So if you're fussing and fighting, not getting along, the, the statistics are from the time a couple needs to, to, to get some marriage counseling, the time they actually do is like six years, almost too late. It's like cancer, early detection, early help can cure. Mm -hmm. So if you're fussing and fighting, get some help, right? And I'll, so I'll, I'll put a plug in for a website out there, catholictherapists.com. Go out there and you can type in your zip code and you get a list of good Catholic therapists uh, in your area. So don't, there's there's no no shame in getting help early, okay? Number two, learn to ask for what you need. Don't assume your spouse can read your mind. Can't do it, right? My kids are telling about some comedian. I gotta find who it is so I can give the guy credit. But one of his sticks, he talks about the fact that when God took the rib out of Adam and gave it to Eve, he took the mind reading rib, which is why... <laughs> Men have no idea what's going on in a woman's mind, but a woman knows exactly what we're thinking. All right. So don't, don't, don't assume I can read your mind because I can't. So don't hesitate to ask what you need, you know, and number three, um, invest in your marriage every single day. I encourage the couples I work with to make a 1% daily investment in their marriage. Well, 1% of 24 hours is 15 minutes. So every day carve out 15 minutes just for the two of you. Tough to do when you got a lot of little kids running around. But don't let a day go by where you don't spend just a little time with each other, affirming, praising, thanking, complimenting, deepening the friendship. So wow. that's what that's, I have. That's awesome. And for those listeners who are interested for a more in-depth discussion of, you know, conflict in marriage, uh, you know, when your marriage might need a therapist, Doug is also a guest on the Ferris Love Shrine podcast. And he goes True. in depth 
a few episodes. So if you're more curious about that and the work that Doug does, um, feel free to look at the other episodes. Um, you've been on our uh, other podcast, Fair Love Shine podcast, a few times. Yes. Um, I think four. Yeah, so if you're interested in that, and do you want to do a shameless plug, Doug, for what's your website? Uh, HappyMarriageForLife.com. It's it's still under construction. It's out there, but uh, I do have some um, virtual workshops I do on Saturdays, a few Saturdays during the year, and uh, you can get more information out there. HappyMarriageForLife.com. Awesome. Yeah, so if anyone's interested in that, feel free to check him out. He's the best. Um, I would you guys lead us as we wrap this up this has been so much fun could you guys lead us in the prayer to mary mother of fairish love we'd really love that happy to do it in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen mary, mary mother, mother of fairish love you, you are the mother, mother of jesus, jesus and, and our, our mother. mother intercede for us with your son as you did at the wedding at cana pray for us fairest mother to strengthen and bless our families Help those called to marriage to find their spouses and teach them to love with a pure and selfless love. Accompany parents in the upbringing and education of their children with unconditional love. Help those who have answered the Father's call to the consecrated life or to the apostolic celibacy to be generous and faithful to their vocations. Bring peace, unity, and joy to the homes of families that are broken or burdened. Accompany with the warmth of your presence those who are alone. You are the mater pulcre, the mother of beautiful love. Help us to love as Jesus loves, so that we may show each other love, full of mercy and forgiveness. May, May all, all our, our love, love and affections be always faithful, pure, and chaste. Dear Mother, be our refuge in our material and spiritual needs and intercede especially for couples struggling in their marriages. May we grow in love and come to know true peace and joy now and in the life to come in heaven. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us for this episode of After Cana. If you enjoyed listening, share it with a friend, subscribe, and leave us a review. Or you can visit us at ferrisloveshrine.org. We'll see you next time.